Here we go. It says this. And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service which I have done for you. Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. Watch this. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Laban said, I can't let you go because you're the reason why God is blessing me. There's something on your life that is rubbing off on me. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. It's really hard not to preach this before I preach this. When's the last time your boss or some contract that your business has told you to name your price? He said, name me your wages and I'll give it. So Jacob said to him, you know I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? Jacob wasn't even humble about it. He was like, you are blessed because of me. Don't you forget it. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. This is a rich passage. Oh, can I preach it for a second? Jacob said, I don't need no handout. I don't need no charity. I work for everything I get. He said, don't give me anything. You shall not give me anything. But if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today and remove from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats and they shall be my wages. I'd like to preach a message today called Money Grows on Trees. It's going to be a fun one today, y'all. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment. God, we are in our Father's house. And God, in this house, there's the fullness of joy. There's peace. There's your presence. There's all that you have for us. Father God, I pray for your wisdom right now. For your anointing, God, take us one step closer to all that you have for me. God, we're in day eight of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a season of miracles. God, the Ravens need a miracle tonight. So if you can be ever so kind, we'll be ever so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Listen, Jacksonville got a miracle last night. So miracles are happening in the NFL. We are in week two. Somebody say week two. Week two of a series called It Is Not a Game. It is not a game. We are talking about managing our finances God's way. I don't know if you know this, but God's word has principles and wisdom that will help you win in your finances. And those principles and wisdom is not just tithe. It's not just give money away to the church or whatever it may be. And that is the biblical principle, and it is of God, and we will talk about that. But God's Word talks about how to invest. 
It talks how to maximize. It talks about how to earn more and all these different principles that we're going to be unpacking over the next few weeks. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you get to talking about money, people get really uncomfortable. Last week was uncomfortable. This week, all the Twitter theologians were uncomfortable. Everybody was just like, I, I don't think you should be talking about money in church. People going to hell and you can't find a better thing to preach about than money. And as we talked about last week, close to 70% of people in the room right now say one of the greatest stresses in my life are finances. It may not be that I don't have enough. It may just be that me and my spouse don't agree on how to spend those finances or I'm making a lot of money and I'm miserable at my job or whatever it may be. This is a major stressor in our lives. And you've got to understand wherever you are stressed, God has peace and wisdom for you that will take you into the abundance of all that he has for you. One of the reasons why people are so uncomfortable in talking about finances is because we've believed the lie that what I earn defines who I am. That how much I have, my net worth, what my salary is, equals my value and my identity as a person. We talked about last week how all money does is it amplifies who you are. And we've got to learn to divorce our income from our identity. My identity is founded and based in Jesus Christ and him alone. Now, some people find their identity in what they have. Some people find their identity in what they don't have. You would not believe how many self-righteous people there are that are happy that they don't care about possessions. Oh, I'm not like those money-hungry people. I don't, no, I don't chase dollars. I'm not worried about that. God has provided all of my needs, and that's all that I need. And not even realizing that is the same level of insecurity. One person's identity is in their income. Somebody else's identity is in their piety. And none of it is based in Jesus Christ. Come on now. Some of us, we get uncomfortable when it talks about our finances. Because finances is an emotional thing. For a lot of us, the finances have are based on how we spent 40 plus hours of our week. That's a lot of time to give away. It's a lot of emotion. It's a lot of energy. So some of us, the finances we have are based on the sacrifice of our parents or our grandparents and the pressure of not messing up somebody else's work is overwhelming. Finances can be emotional. A lot of people, when they're discouraged, when they're depressed, when they're overwhelmed, they spend. Come on now. Anybody had a bad day and you figured, you know what, I'll feel better when I go to the mall or when I get on this website or whatever. Matter of fact, I need to get on an airplane and go someplace where coconuts grow on trees and I will feel a lot better once I'm there. And then you swipe that card or you spend that money or, and then what? you have the time of your life until 30 days later when that statement comes in. And you were like, what in the world was I thinking? Finances are just messy. And what happens for a lot of people, because they're so messy, they're like, I'm just not even going to deal with it. I'm not even going to worry about it. This isn't that great. This isn't important. But hear me, they weren't designed to be messy. 
How do you know? Because if they were designed to be messy, God wouldn't say, I'm going to give you more. God wouldn't say, I'm going to help you earn as much as you possibly can. It's only messy when we don't do it God's way. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, I got to read this slow, who gives you, say that word with me, power. Come on, let's read this again. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you Another translation says supernatural ability to do what? To get wealth. Another translation says to produce wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Man, I hope this verse messes with you. God says, when you walk out to work on Monday morning, just know I'm giving you supernatural ability to produce wealth. Why? Because I made a promise with your forefathers. And I told them that everybody that comes in this lineage of faith is going to have the blessings of the Lord on their life. If God empowers us to produce more than we have, he did not do it for it to be messy in our lives. So today we're going to talk about how do I produce more wealth, more income in my life. Next year, we're going to, next week, next year, this long series. (laughs) Next week, we're going to talk about how do I see miracles in my finances? How do I see God bless me with more than my effort has put in? And then the last week is going to be your favorite week. Somebody say it's going to be my favorite week. Why? Because we're going to talk about budgets. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about you can't spend every penny you make and call yourself a believer of Almighty God. We're, we're going to talk about investing for the future. And some of us, we don't make enough money. Some of us, it's not the amount of money that we make that's the issue because you will spend every single penny you make no matter what you make. It's how do I manage what I have. Is that cool? Today, though, we're going to talk about how do I increase my income. The first thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. We've got to understand the principles of increase. You've got to understand the principles of increase. And you've got to know, Columbia, that God's word has principles. What are principles? They are guidelines that if I apply these to anywhere in my life, I will get the same results that the scripture says. So here we have Jacob. Jacob uh, had ran away. He had a little bit of family drama going on at home. So he runs away from his life and he goes to his uncle's house and his uncle was a shepherd, had sheep and had goats and all this other good stuff. So Jacob starts working for his uncle. And then after a little bit of time, and it's going to sound a little nasty, but it's the Old Testament. You know how them people be. It's kind of like West Virginia. But anyway, Jacob, oh, you got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. Anyway, Anyway, Jacob falls in love with his uncle's daughter, and he's like, man, I, I want to marry her. And, and Laban said, no, because you're broke. I wish we got back to the days where the young man had to go to the father and said, can I marry your daughter? 
And he said, what's your credit score? What's your job? Can you provide for my princess? Because she's been taken care of for the last 20-something, 30-something years of her life, and she's used to a certain type of lifestyle. And if you can't provide that type of lifestyle, then don't take her out my house and bring her back three years later. I need you to make up your mind right now. Are you going to pay the cost to be the boss? Can I get some ladies to say... Come on, some things we need to go back, go back, go back. Not, no, it's, it's 2023. I'm going to propose to him. He don't got proposed to me. Well, don't be mad if you propose to him and he can't afford you. And then you're like, well, somebody, just look at somebody say, stick to the Bible, stick to the Bible, stick to the Bible. Like, you'll be a lot happier if you stick to God's. None of that was in my notes. I need to stick to the script. Anyway. So Laban said, okay, you're broke. You can't afford my daughter, but here's what we're going to do. If you work for me for free for seven years, we'll call that the dowry and you can marry her. What he didn't know is he was dealing with a trickster. He works for seven years. Laban gives him the wife that he did not want. We'll talk about that later. Bible says she was dull-eyed. Another verse says cross-eyed. I don't know, but it's not the one he wanted. So he had to work an extra Folk, y'all got to behave in church, y'all. And nobody told you to act in church. Calm down. Anyway, so he ends up working for 14 years for free just to earn the right to marry Rachel. He gets to the end of the 14 years, and he does what we do on April 15th when we're looking at our taxes. <laughs> Where did it all go? It's not enough. And he said, I'm leaving. And watch this. Laban said, you can't leave because I have never been so blessed since you started working for me. Here's what he said. He said, name your price. Anything you want me to pay you, I will pay you because paying you more and keeping you is more of a blessing to me than letting you go and saving that salary. Here's a simple question to the believer who's supposed to be the most excellent people to walk the planet Earth. When is the last time your employer told you, name your price? I cannot afford to lose you. Because ever since you started working for my company or working for this organization, we have never had so much favor and so much peace and so much increase in our name your price. A business owner, when's the last time somebody you have a contract with said name your price and we'll pay it? Because we have been so blessed by you being a part of this organization. Here's what Jacob understood. He understood the principles of increase. He understood that if I live my life this way, watch this, I won't have to chase money. Money will chase me. You know how we talk about paper chasers, paper chasers. People who are paper chasing are people who understand the principles of God's word. When you understand the principles of God's word, increase will chase you. You don't have to. Somebody say, get to the principles. Get to the All right, all right, all right. I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Here it is. Here's what the Bible says. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every, somebody say tree. Come on, preach it like a preacher. Somebody say tree. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Anybody ever heard that phrase, money does not grow on trees? Come on now. You usually heard it somewhere between the ages of 8 and 16. Right when you were asking for a new bike, new pair of shoes. Maybe you actually got a new jacket and you were foolish enough to leave it on the floor. Well, you don't take care of me. You, you, do you think that money grows on? Would it shock you if I told you money actually does grow on? I actually brought some money with me. What, what is this? It's a mango. It's a mango. Now, to you, this is just a normal mango, but actually... This is, I believe, a Peruvian, um, organic, filthy, expensive mango, <laughs> overpriced, inflated, and out of season. To you, this is a mango. Where did this grow? On a tree, right? Do you know how much this costs? About $5. <laughs> Welcome to 2023. So to you, it's just a fruit that grew on a tree. To Wegmans or Whole Foods, it's $5 of increase. Come on now. And then Whole Foods or Wegmans or Publix or whatever, they went to the farmer and paid him 75 cents. <laughs> Make sense? And to him, it wasn't a mango. It was financial that grew on a... Money grows on trees. It just doesn't look like dollar bills. Actually, money grows everywhere you turn. But if you don't know what it looks like, because what you're looking at, is it in seed form? And I can have this mentality of lack that I can never get ahead. Nobody's for me. I, I can't. This world is corrupt and you don't know. the. Or I can have the mindset of abundance. That God has put opportunity all around me. And if I can recognize that opportunity, I could turn that opportunity into increase. So here's what God said. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and take dominion. Now, every time we read this verse, we've always read this as the baby verse. You know, God made Adam and Eve, and then he said, get busy and fill the earth up. And we've always just assumed that this means have children. But as you read, it says, be fruitful. Another word for that word fruitful is the word productive. Produce something. And then after you produce something, multiply it. And then after you multiply it, then look to take dominion. Can I challenge you, Union? That wasn't just talking about having children. 
It was talking about how to increase anything in my life. If I want to increase my income, I've got to become an expert at producing something. Come on now. And then after I produce something, then I've got to learn how do I multiply it. And then after I multiply it, I've got to figure out how do I take dominion. So step number one, I need to be productive. Step number two, I need to multiply. Step number three, I need to take dominion or diversify. Somebody say, give me an example. Okay, great. I'm so glad you asked. Let's say you are a school teacher at a public school. There's so many school teachers. Come on, give it up for our teachers. All right, I'm going to get in trouble, but it's all right. Ready, school teachers? Here we go. Okay, so what do you produce? I produce an education for the children that I teach. Okay, great. How good are you? The best. I like the confidence. I like the confidence. I, I am who he says I am. Okay, okay. This is going to be interactive day. That's cool. Um, the best where? The best at my school. The best in my county. The best in the state. The best in the nation. Because there's hundreds of thousands of school teachers. So first and foremost, I've got to dedicate myself to producing, watch this, at an extraordinary level. If I am one of the pack, I am invisible. And here's what they say. Most people do just enough work not to get fired. Well, how much do I have to produce to not let you let me go? And I'm going to do that much and not it ounce more. And by the way, they say most employers pay only enough to keep you from quitting. So it's one little toxic dysfunctional relationship. Step number one is I've got to produce something and I've got to be one of the best, at least in my organization at producing it. But now the Bible says, don't just produce, but multiply. What would that look like for a school teacher? Well, if I'm a great producer in the classroom, they may ask me to start creating curriculum so that I can help other school teachers produce at the level that I'm producing. You're tracking with me? So now I've gone from just I'm producing to now I've multiplied my production and I'm helping other people produce at the level that I'm producing. Come on now, can we talk about taking dominion? Here's what he said. I've given you the birds of the field, the trees, the fruit, all this other kind of stuff. Here's what God was saying. When you produce, you're great at it in one area. When you multiply, you teach other people how to be great at it in that one area. In order to take dominion, you've got to learn more than just one area. Think about it. So I'm a great teacher. I have an amazing classroom. I'm writing curriculum and all that other good stuff. And then they're going to ask me, hey, what do you think about being a supervisor or an assistant principal or a principal? Now, here's the deal. In order to do that, you can't just be good in a classroom. You can't just be good in curriculum. You've got to have a little bit of human resources acumen. You've got to have some people skills. You've got to have some budget mindset that you can actually project where this school is going. You're going to have to diversify your expertise. You see how that worked? First, I dominate one area. Then I teach multiple people how to dominate that area. And then I learn a new area to dominate and merge it with the last area that I learned. 
Let me, let me give you an example. There is a race to be the first trillion dollar company in the world. There's billion dollar companies, but there's a race to be the first trillion dollar company. Many people believe that it's going to be Amazon that's going to hit a trillion dollar value before any other company. Do you know that Amazon grew by using biblical principles? Let me walk you through it. Remember, it is produce, multiply, take dominion. Here's the Amazon story. We said, hey, I think we can produce book sales better than bookstores can. Let's get rid of the store and let's do it on. Y'all, anybody old enough to remember when Amazon only sold textbooks? <laughs> and you would get your syllabus at college and you would, you know, I'm not paying full price to the college bookstore. I'm going to go on Amazon. You go on Amazon, the book you buy that they send you is all marked up, has all the answers in it already. It's about three editions later and the professor gives the test off of the new edition. So what you bought is missing four of the questions. But hey, I saved $25. So God bless me because I'm getting that in my refund check. Anyway, y'all don't know how to work these colleges. Y'all don't know nothing about this. Amazon started off selling, but they produced tracking and then through online, they were able to multiply their to the point where they almost put out of business all the brick and mortar bookstores. So they produced, they multiplied what they produced, but now it's time to take dominion. What's dominion? I'm going to become an expert in a different area and combine it with my last expertise. So what did Amazon do? They learned the box store business. Look at what Walmart's doing, Target, uh, you know, Kroger's or Costco's, or I could do that, but let's take box store products and merge it with our last year's online expertise and bring them together. And now we don't even know if they sell books anymore. <laughs> because I've diversified my production. But they didn't stop there. After they learned the box store business, then they said FedEx, UPS, U.S. Postal Service, they are taking too long to deliver our stuff. Let's learn the delivery system and add that to the box store and the online sales system. Somebody say Dominion. And now Amazon got more trucks on the street than any other delivery system. They got their own airplanes. They're... Do you see how this is working? And they didn't stop there. After they did the delivery service, they said, huh, this is random. Let's start streaming. What does streaming have to do with delivery, box store, or bookstores? Nothing outside of it is an expertise in a new area, and I am merging it with something that I did before. So when you order your paper towels and it comes in the mail, there's going to be a little card in there say, hey, get 30 days free streaming of... Make sense? They didn't stop there. After they mastered streaming, they said, hey, let's just go ahead and buy a whole supermarket franchise and make it a part of it. Now let's learn the food industry because everybody wants food delivered to their front door. Do you see how they're just stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking? Now Amazon says, hey, let's learn uh, live events. So this year, for the first year, if you wanted to watch NFL football on a Thursday, you had to have an Amazon Prime account. That's why your husband encouraged you to get an Amazon Prime account. You thought, you thought he wanted your stuff to be delivered early. No, he wanted to see football on Thursday night, and that was the only way to see it. And now they're doing their own live concerts. They didn't stop there. You may not know this. Amazon just bought over 18% of Rivian, which is an electric car company. And now Amazon, in the next few years, is going to be producing the car that you drive. 
because they've developed the biblical principle of master an area of productivity, multiply it, learn a new area, and merge it with what I just mastered. And then multiply it again, learn a new area, and what have you mastered? What can you say, I'm one of the best in my company to do this? And then can you say, not only am I the best at doing this, but I'm the best at teaching other people how to have multiple, because you're a limited resource. You only have 24 hours in a day. I don't care how good you are at what you do. You can only do so much of it. But if I can teach other people to do it, there's no limit to what I can produce. And then if I can get mastery, not just in one area, but in two areas and merge them together in ways that other people have not merged them together, now I can ex... Principles of increase. I can see the, the motors are turning. <laughs> You're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking. Okay, okay. I, 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 have, I have a few addictions in my life. None of them sinful, but none of them I plan on giving up. And one of my addictions is Chick-fil-A. And it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good when they know you by name, okay? It's not good. It's not good. Y'all do your little mobile express. Y'all just order. I just drive up. They don't even ask me. They know what my order is. They have it ready for when I get there. And they ask me how the church is. I mean, it's family at this point. So there's this one Chick-fil-A by where I lived, and I just go there so much. I've learned everybody by name, and they know me and all this other good stuff. And there was this young lady there um, from El Salvador, in, immigrated to America from El Salvador, and started working at Chick-fil-A just as a teller and as a cook. Now, I've been going to the same Chick-fil-A for four plus years. In four years, she went from just a cook to a teller to a trainer to a regional trainer. One day I pull up. I was like, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you've been? Oh, they're sending me to all the new Chick-fil-A's that are opening up. And when they open a new Chick-fil-A, they send me to train the new staff on how we do it here at this store and this organization. I drove by recently and she said, you're not going to see me anymore. And I said, why? What's happening? She <laughs> Who's going to double fry my nuggets now? This is, this is a problem. She said, I just got accepted into the owner-operator program. Where I don't have the seed money to buy my own franchise. But like Jacob, they're allowing me to work from the inside up to the place where I'm going to be able to immigrated from El Salvador, started at the bottom. But because I decided I was not going to be average or ordinary, but I was going to put my all into it, I saw increase. You know what the problem with biblical principles are? Unbelievers can apply them. And sometimes unbelievers apply biblical principles better than believers do and get believers' results from our principles. Second thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Distractions limit my earning potential. Distractions limit my earning potential. So here's the thing you've got to know about Jacob. Jacob wasn't just a shepherd. He was a master shepherd. He was an expert shepherd. Laban said, I have, Laban said, I was broke before you came. 
That's really, I didn't want to, it wasn't that I need you to marry my daughter. It's that I couldn't afford to pay you. That's really what happened. And I have never seen so much increase since you came. If you read on when you go home in this Genesis chapter 30 passage, Jacob started to use some type of scientific faith vision, not by sight type of foolishness, where he started getting all the speckled and spotted lambs, but he would only let them breed at a certain time of day when the strong ones were there. And he was using science and faith and all these different, he was an expert at what he did. So before you worry about multiplying anything or taking dominion or or learning different disciplines, I have a question for you. Are you an expert at what you do? Can you say, oh, I dominate in this? Will your boss say, I do good? Well, the numbers show that. uh... Here's what the Bible says about Daniel. It says this was because an extra ordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of riddles, watch this, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king Belteshazzar, named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. Here's what the Bible says. It says that Daniel had a spirit on him that was extraordinary. He had built a reputation that he was the best problem solver in the entire kingdom. So when the king had a problem, he said, go get that guy with a great reputation to come fix my problem. Do you have an extraordinary reputation? Do people, when they think about your name, do they think that is the best problem solver we have in this organization. Go find them and they can fix this problem. Dr. John Maxwell said this. He said, in order to be extraordinary, all you got to do is be a little extra. We think extraordinary. No, no, no. Just be a little extra. What does that mean? Figure out what ordinary people do and just do a little extra. So if ordinary people get to work at nine o'clock and they kind of talk and they laugh and they joke and all, and they're not sitting down until 915 to start their work day, you get there at 845 and at nine o'clock you be working, not, not chit chatting and talking about the weekend. Do that from 845 to nine and nine o'clock produce. Come on now. And if they take an hour lunch, take 30 minutes. Now, first of all, you shouldn't be eating anyway, so you should just work right through your lunch. (laughs) But after these 21 days of prayer and fasting, you don't need an hour to eat your food. You don't eat an hour. You eat in 15 minutes, and you scroll Instagram for the next 45. We're talking about being extra ordinary. If they leave, they're packing their stuff up at 450. Five o'clock, you can hear them tires burning out the... I just need to be a little extra. Come on now. And here's what a lot of people are thinking. They don't pay me to do all that. First of all, that's why you're ordinary. It's also why they don't pay you. Second, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. 
Do it for the Lord and not for men. If what I produce at work is only based on the pennies that they pay me, I am going to do this much and no more unless you pay me more. Tracking? But if, and can we, can we get back to scripture? We, we've, we've, we've fallen into an unbiblical understanding of what work is. And it's because we don't understand God's word. Can I help you out with this? Anything that was in place before sin entered the world was not a curse, but a blessing from God. Curses did not enter the world until sin entered the world. So as you read the book of Genesis, what came first, sin or work? Work. Which means that work is not a curse. Which means that work is not a necessary evil to just pay my bills. And if I didn't have to pay my bills, I wouldn't be working. I can't wait to retire at 29. <laughs> I ain't even done anything yet. Biblically, can I, can I mess with you? Biblically, your work is your ministry. What you do for a career is how you are a blessing to the society that God placed you in. And actually, here's what your income is. Your income is society saying, thank you for the blessing that you were for me. Come on now. If you're a barber and you cut somebody's hair and they pay you afterwards, what are they saying? Thank you for helping my hairline. Make sense? If they pay you a little, they were a little thankful. If they pay you a lot, they were really grateful. Hmm? But yet we see it as a curse. I don't want to do this. I'm just doing it because I got to pay these bills. And, if I didn't have to pay, I and we don't see it as this is the ministry that God has given me to actually be able to be a blessing to people around me. And if work is work and work is not a calling, you will never be able to give the energy that you need to give to it to become the level of expert that you need to become. Proverbs 18, 16 says this, a man's gifts makes room for him and brings him before great men. Man, when you get good at what you do, it opens doors. And it puts you in places that you can't even explain. How, how did you get here? You're not supposed to. Come on, my 90s baby. <laughs> Here's the problem. Jacob was great at producing sheep, but every other area of his life was jacked up. That beautiful Rachel that he worked 14 years for, homegirl was a thief. Had them little sticky fingers. You know how rough it is being married to a thief? Cops always at your door. You you try to say, I don't know, officer, where that couch came from. I, I've got the receipt here somewhere. So watch this. Jacob finally leaves Laban. He's going back home. And his wife, Rachel, she stole from her father. And next thing you know, Jacob has an entire army that is chasing him. Do you know how hard it is to produce sheep when you've got a whole army chasing you down? 
And then the only reason why he worked for Laban is because he had cheated his brother out of his birthright and had to run for his life. So when Jacob wanted to go back home, watch this, he had to give away a large portion of his wealth just to keep his brother from killing him. And he couldn't go back to his father's land. He had to go back to some obscure place because of the drama he had created in his wake. What am I saying? If all we had to do in life was focus on being an expert in our area, it'd be easy. But there's all these different distractions that keep us from obsessing about our calling, our gifting. And what a lot of people do is we get so obsessed in work and we neglect our physical health, our mental health, our relationships, and all this other type of stuff. And then when that stuff invades our work world, we're shocked. No, 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 no. There's no dividing it. There, if, mm. Come on now. If I can't get a relationship. You ever, you ever work with somebody who had relationship issues? They walk into work on Monday. And you just like, I got a meeting with this person. I just, listen, okay, I don't know what's going on. Pastor at church said I'm supposed to care because I'm a Christian, but I don't really care. I just need you to leave. You ever heard people say, leave, leave, you, leave your life stuff at home? It's not possible. So we, how, how do I increase my, it's not just about obsessing over what I do. It's about managing every other area of my life according to the word of God, or that will take away from this. Last thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Keep healthy boundaries. I've said this before, that money makes a great servant, but it makes a horrible master. What happens is when we don't have a biblical mindset of increased Columbia, we, we have a victim's mindset. We have this, well, you know, America's a corrupt, corrupt, and the little man can't get ahead. As if the Bible doesn't say, if God be for you, who does it matter who's against you? Can I mess with you with the mindset? One mindset says we can't afford that. Another mindset says, how do we afford that? One's a victim mindset. One's a problem solving mindset. What happens is if we have this victim mindset, we become money chasers because we think it's difficult to get. And if I don't get it now, it somehow is going to evaporate and go away. And, and when I develop this money chasing DNA, it takes me outside of God's boundaries of a healthy life. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 says this, and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Five days you shall labor. Is that what it says? It says Monday through Friday you shall labor. It says because of my mental health, I can't work six days. I'm telling y'all right now, this country we live in, place people, it's this quiet quitting country we live in is running away from biblical principles as hard work is not a curse. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall do no. The translation for that word work is don't do anything that brings you income. 
Come on now. We've messed up this whole Sabbath thing. I can't cut the grass because it's the Sabbath, babe. Sorry. Got your little super spiritual kids. I'd love to bathe, Dad, but I can't take a bath today. It's the Sabbath. Well, if you want to live to see the next Sabbath, I'm going to need for you. It says, you shall do no work. You, nor your sons, nor your daughters, nor your male servants, nor your female servants, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gate. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Watch this. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We've gotten into this pattern where we don't work a full day, but we work seven days. And what happened is we've stepped outside of biblical principles. Now I'm chasing an income, but I'm wondering why my marriage is falling apart. And I've built all of, do you know some of the wealthiest people in America have already declared they're not going to leave it to their children? It's not because money ruins people, it's because you raised horrible kids. Because you were so worried about growing that you didn't think anything about legacy. So, Pastor, how much money should I be pursuing? You ready for the answer? How much you can make without abusing the boundaries that God's given us for a healthy life. So what does that mean? It means that if more money causes me to neglect my relationship with God, it's not worth it. Hey, you can have this raise, but you've got to work seven days a week. I'm not doing it. It's not worth it. It will take more from me than it will give to me. How much is too much when that new contract requires me to neglect my family? My spouse first, my kids second. We live in a generation of people who don't want to get married because they're too busy building their, their career. I don't got time for a relationship. It's going to hold me back. Okay, so when you build it, who are you going to enjoy it with? Come on now. When you ball in, who are you going to leave it to? Adopt a puppy foundation. You can't have all. You worked all that to adopt puppies. Really? I need to end this message again. I... Come on. What? What? I took biblical principles of increase outside of the boundaries of scripture. And I'm wondering why it's not a blessing in my life. How much money should I go after, pastor? As much as you can make and keep a physical and mental healthy life. As much as you can make and still have enough energy to see other human beings around you. As much as you can make and not step outside of the call of God on your life. Because yes, your gifting will open a lot of doors, but not every door is a door that God's called you to walk through. And that door may have more money, but with that money may become a stress that God did not grace you to walk under. Come on, try it with me. Finances will increase, but not at the expense of our soul. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says this, how does a man benefit? If he gains the whole world and loses his mind, his will, and his emotions in the process. 
We'll talk about it in two weeks. But one of the reasons why we need so much money is because we're not managing the money that we have. If we learned how to budget and invest and put away for the future, you'd be a surprised. Some of our parents and grandparents would tell you how to stretch a dollar. <laughs> you'd be surprised how much you can get out of enough. Hear me, God has so much more for you. But here's what the Bible says. It says that the Lord adds wealth and with it comes no sorrow. It's not just about making more. It's about, I want to be smack dab in the will of God for my life. Someone, come, give God a good amen. Come on now. <laughs> Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, it still blows our mind that you care about every single area of our lives. And God, what we're finding is that money's not just money. Money's connected to marriage and parents and kids and emotional health and physical health in every single area of our lives. And God, right now, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice for two things. God, I pray for increase. And God, I pray for peace. God, that you would bring peace to every single area of our... God, I know there's so many people that I'm preaching saying, Pastor, I'm working a job, but I don't love what I do. I don't feel like it's a calling. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take us on the journey of, I'm not just working a job, but God, what's the ministry that you've called me to have in this earth through my vocation? God, I decree and declare by the end of 2023, people are going to switch jobs. They're going to start businesses. They're, they're going to find fulfillment, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Friday. Because God, you're ordering our steps. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give the Holy Spirit, give God an opportunity to make this message personal to you. This moment, God is switching. I'm not working for my company. I'm working unto the Lord. I honor God by becoming one of the best at what I do. As we close every service, we always ask, if you were to be honest with yourself, would you say that Christ is the center of my life? Have you ever had that moment, not where you believe in God, but you surrender your life to him? Because if you haven't, it doesn't matter what I preach, none of it works without Jesus being the center of your life. So wherever you find yourself, if you say, Pastor, I go to church, but I, I can't really say that he's the center of who I am. Or maybe you're new to this whole church thing. Let me save you some drama. Don't try to do anything I said to do without God at the center of your life because it doesn't work starts with Jesus. So wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to be the center of my life. Whether it's the first time or it's a time of you returning back to your faith, you can make that decision right now. Just pray this prayer with me unto God. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Out of billions of people, you know me, you see me, and you died on the cross for my sin and for my mistakes. Thank you. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that just made?